0: Hello, welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from your website. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a true ninja. Literally, she is a ninja here at Exposure Ninja. Holly Cuthbert is a dev project manager, which means she is one of the ninjas responsible for getting website projects built for our clients, Um, So she works with our dev team and our designers to get these projects finished and beautiful and incredible and converting amazingly. Now, Holly's got a really interesting background in that she used to be involved in fashion and branding. And I wanted to bring her onto the show to ask her with her fashion background, how businesses in very competitive markets can stand out. Because if you think about it, the fashion industry has this nailed right, they can convince people to spend 300 pounds on a plain t shirt with a little logo of the brand on. They clearly understand something about branding. So Holly and I talk about this approach. And um, we also talk about how businesses who maybe haven't had much of a strong brand, or they're in markets where having a big brand isn't really the done thing, how they can stand out and how they can start to build a bit of this brand cachet. So we talk about helping people to come behind the scenes and build a relationship with the people behind the brand. We talk about the importance of logo and look and feel. We also talk about the importance of audience profiling as well. I absolutely love doing this episode. I think really interesting to just chat about this stuff, my sister's a fashion designer, I'm always on the business of fashion looking at how fashion brands work. And the marketing behind it, I think it's super, super fascinating. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Don't forget, if you're really unhappy with your website's performance, if you're just not generating the leads and sales that you need, the first step to getting this sorted is to go to ninja.com and click on that big green button to request your free website and marketing review. We'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you the stuff that you need to work on completely free of charge and with no obligation to use our services at all. It's a really, really killer website and marketing review though. So go to ninja.com if you need some help with that. But now enjoy the show with Holly Cuthbert from Exposure Ninja. Hey, Holly, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Tim, how are you
0: today? Very good, thank you. So today we're going to be talking about tricky topic, how to stand out in a crowded marketplace. So you are a Dev Project Manager at Exposure Ninja. What does your day-to-day involve?
1: Okay, so I am basically the go-to middleman between the development teams and the client making sure that the client really gets what they want from their website and that we're really making a great platform for them that converts really really well um, and obviously it works for their brand
0: and a large part of what you do therefore is I guess presenting our clients or presenting our clients brands in a way that makes them stand out and it ties in really nicely with your background in fashion doesn't it mate maybe you could give us a bit of a an insight as to why branding and why standing out is is something that you're so passionate about
1: yeah tim i think that really a brand for for me is something that it's really important as a brand to to find your market find your position You know, it's uh, something that I've always been passionate about. As as I say, a background in fashion is where I started, but obviously it's not where I ended up. But it's given me a real good footing for really looking at the eye for detail. I think that any brand should first sort of start backwards, really, really go into the drill down into a story. And I've worked with some really good brands over over the years and fashion brands, and I think they do it really well. They've got some really good examples and they're quite, quite a leader in the market, really, especially with visuals and everything. So I think branding, from my point of view, is a really important part for every business. And it's really, really key for to identify a target audience, really.
0: So what comes first, in your opinion, for a good brand? Is it the story? Is it the logo? Is it the color scheme? Is it the audience? What's the first piece that people need to have in place if they want to stand out?
1: So I think, you know, the first thing to do is really drill down into your audience. I get asked this question a lot where people will say, is it just a cheesy sort of marketing ploy for people to say, you know, what's my audience? Who, you know, who is my audience? Is it male, female? What's their age? No, the answer is, it's such a great exercise. And I know that it can feel like it's maybe a little bit tedious, but knowing who your audience is, is just the key to everything. You know, then where they are, how you can find them. What that customer is doing, um, and it's just such a key key exercise to really start with your audience, and then the story and the brand will come from there naturally.
0: That's a really good point. Um, we were just doing some uh, some training around email marketing and looking at the highest performing emails and the highest performing web pages, and found that actually the ones that had been written to a specific person rather than just to a whole group of people tended to be the highest performing and the highest converting, and it's. In it, and then we kind of reverse engineered it and realized that actually if we're always writing to our uh, exposure Ninja, we have like three avatars that we always write to. Actually, that's the stuff that gets the most traction. So having a clear idea of this audience is, is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Otherwise, everything that you write kind of feels a bit generic and you don't really know what you're making something stand out, who you're making something stand out for, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah it's really important that the customer feels that they can resonate with you. So knowing who that customer is before you start to then expand onto the story and everything else is so important. You know, why Why are they going to buy from you? You know, what do they really want from you? You're going to know all the, the answers to all of these questions if you just do a simple, simple task, like really drilling down into who they are and who you're aiming at.
0: So someone who's listening who thinks, okay, but my audience is anyone who buys X. Right. We see this all the time. In the marketing makeovers questionnaire, I sent out to uh I think we had about a hundred responses. And one of the questions was, who is your target audience? And the most common answer was anyone who buys X. And for me, it's like that's they have no idea about their target audience. So from that yeah. place of I have no idea who my target audience, how do people Pick an audience, go all in on it and, and start to profile that person.
1: Yeah, so take it back to the basics. You know, everybody has got an audience, a target audience. It's, it's an easy cop-out answer to say everybody. You know, everybody who buys X is just an easy answer. You know, we want, you want to play hard here. You know, go in, really think about it. It's not going to be done in a night. It's not even going to be done in a week, maybe. You know, have a real think about it. Who are your competitors? why are they buying from your competitors you know why is who's the customer there if if they've got a bricks and mortar place go there you know do the exercises that really sort of back it up um and you will really find this the, the target audience it's it's important to put yourself in their shoes put yourself in the customer's shoes you know what what do you want from your brand and if you're the customer of your brand what are you looking for um every 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 business is ultimately solving a problem for someone So what problem are you solving? And who is this person who who you're solving the problem for?
0: One of the things we've started testing recently with clients is just calling some of their customers to just find out who they are, what they do, where they spend their time online. And it's been really interesting to initially say, who is your audience? I'm thinking of one company in particular, who is your target audience? They say, um, well, it's people who are into photography. So I said, okay, are we t- looking at a mostly male audience here? They're saying, no, no, it's about 50-50. So i was like, okay, fair enough. That doesn't sound about right, but okay, let's let's just go with it. So send me over a list of your customers and I'm, I'm going to give them a call. So they sent me over a list of their customers, 100% male, right? Not only 100% <laughs> male, 100% male in a particular age bracket. So even though they thought they had this really broad audience, actually they do have a specific audience. It just sometimes takes a little bit of digging, doesn't it, to find who they are
1: yeah i think it's about honesty as well tim you know even though it would be really nice for every business to be like oh we've got such a wide audience you know Mm. the the reality is that's just not the truth you know be honest with yourself as a business who is the audience and who's buying from you because by doing that exercise you're only going to benefit yourself you know you're going to be able to target people more specifically you know uh, you know, I'm not a pay-per-click specialist, but however, we've got some amazing people at exposure ninja who taught me a lot over the past um, couple of months. You know, by knowing your target audience, these are the type of things that you can really take advantage of in the future down the line of year once your brand is more established.
0: Absolutely. So maybe you could talk to me about story because I know that your background in fashion, you must have been completely like it's all about story, isn't it? And we build these kind of uh, images around the brands based on the stories that they tell us. So. How important is story? And is it only fashion type brands that really have to think about the story behind the business?
1: Not at all. Um, you know, every brand has to have a story. I think that it, it gives you this personality, it gives your business a personality. And we all know that we buy from people that we like. So there's no reason why we can't buy from the brands that we like and the people behind that. You know, I'm not saying that every brand has to have a face to it. That's not necessary, but. Sometimes, you know, there is a reason why people you know really like to delve into these influences, for example, because mm-hmm. they feel like they're getting to know the individual, the individual person. So the story behind it is so crucial. Fashion brands, it's quite easy, you know, to, to develop a story. Like you say, the people, the, the clients, the user of, the, of that, that particular fashion brand are looking for the story. They're, they're involved in the story. A lot of the time, fashion brands are named after the creator. So there's already a story there um that doesn't necessarily resonate through other industries so i don't particularly know any other industries where the business is necessarily named after the director the ceo Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't create the story behind it why did you start the business you know what were the things that drove you to do it what's the what's the the future vision Mm. include people in that story include people in your your ideas and they'll want to support you they'll want to support your business
0: I guess um, one example might be something like solicitors firms, right? Where it's always, you know, whatever, Cuthbert and Co. But there's no personality by that at all. The website's are always completely generic. It's all stock imagery. It feels like one of the objections that businesses have to sharing their story is they think, yeah, but no one's going to be interested in in my story. No one's going to be interested in me. All they care about is themselves. How do you overcome that and how do you push people to, 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 to be less afraid and to be braver sharing their story?
1: I think it's just about, again, opening your eyes to other industries. I also think that when you start a business, it's, it's easy to be tunnel visioned yeah. and obsessed with your own industry. You know, I've got a competitor and they're not doing this. So we're going to do this and it's going to be groundbreaking. Well, it might be within your industry, but open your eyes, look at other industries, you know, how are they doing things? How are they convert, converting their customer in, into a buyer? Um, so, like you say, a solicitor is a great example because naturally they'll think, oh, we've got no story to tell here. But the voice of, of the website, the voice of the brand is so important. You know, if if everybody's so straight like, down the line with your solicitors, um, your know, competitors, then. Is it Would it work, you know, being a little bit more feeling like you have got more approachable, you've got more mm. approachable voice, more approachable phrases, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be you as an individual, but it can just be more of the tone of your voice. Um, and ultimately, you know, the team, if you don't feel comfortable sort of putting so much of a spotlight on you as an individual, then reach out to the team, you know, you can do it as a group, you can do it as, as, as a whole. You don't have to be sort of just focusing on, on one individual person.
0: And I guess if you're in a market like that where the competitors tend towards a bland, faceless brand, um, any story is going to be better than no story.
1: Of course. And, you know, and ultimately then people feel like they're, you know, they're going to want to pick up the phone and call you if they feel like actually you're not so stuffy, maybe. Mm. Um, again, it's just just really sort of broaden your horizons. Read other websites that are from different industries. Look at other people's stories. It'll give you some inspiration. And it's really important to sort of do this on a regular basis as well, I think. It's not just for new businesses. I think it's really key that businesses that have been around a little bit longer really take time to sort of sit back and see how things are working for them, look at their branding. Is it is this working right? Is the voice right? Is our target audience still the same? You know, as things progress with technology and, you know, things are more accessible to us you know the, the user habits are different so people are going to work on a train the commuting you know hence why we know that mobile is such a key thing so are we as a business you know are you targeting the, the market correctly now that things have progressed so I think it's very easy to sit back and say oh we did our running 20 years ago and it's worked really well because if it hadn't we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here anymore well that's not the case you know progression and comfort you know customers like to see that you're keeping up Mm. up to
0: up to date absolutely absolutely okay um i want to ask you about vision and and mission statement and kind of the big future picture how important is it but also how it feels like sometimes these things are, are exercises that are done once and then shoved in a drawer and then that's it right someone goes on a boot camp they do the mission statement and then you know six not even six months six hours later that thing is completely forgotten and it's business as usual so how important is it and how can people who want to stand out make sure that their vision statement is something that that lives and has purpose
1: yeah I think that it's really important It's it's in the same box as that sort of exercise where you pick your audience you know people do just think is this just a generic exercise that I have to do for my business the answer is no and these are always changing. So I think it's really important to sort of readdress these as every six months, even every, you know, once a year, just keep readdressing them because ultimately your your vision is going to change. A mission statement is something that you are pledging, you know, this is about your business, you know, from the heart, it's something that, you know, you really, really want to achieve with your business and in what you are currently doing. A vision statement is the future, you know, what is the sort of most audacious goal that you've got for your business? Why not share it with your customers? You know, why not tell them that in five years' time, we hope to be the biggest and the best and, the, you know, share it with them? Ultimately, everyone's got a goal in life. So if you can sort of be brave and, and share that goal with your customers, then why wouldn't they want to help you in achieving that goal?
0: It's really interesting, isn't it? Because as people, we get so bought into the stuff. I'm thinking of like influencers and celebrities. I was just watching um, the most random thing on YouTube. This isn't usually what I spend my time doing. But a vlogger called Lydia Millen, and she just literally vlogs about her everyday life. And you think for the first 20 seconds, you think, why does anybody care about this? And then for the next minute, you think, wait, there's a huge amount of views on this. And then you think, Oh, I wonder what cushion stuffing she's going to use. And you get kind of sucked into this Mm -hmm. into this like story arc, right. But when it comes to business, we all assume that actually no one cares about the people behind the business or the vision or the mission. And and that kind of long term doesn't matter. And we're just this kind of transactional entity that they want to draw value out of. So it feels like the vision and mission are actually massively important, because that's the the longer term story, which gets people hooked. And like you say, if they see a vision yeah. statement at the bottom of your website, which resonates with them, then right, they're on the journey with you.
1: And I think also, Tim, you know, I actually have a confession. I'm a follower of Lydia Millen. Um...
0: <laughs> well, someone must be because she gets like 300 someone views on be. what she wears.
1: Let me tell you, I am a follower of her interiors um section, but it just shows you that, you know, people are interested. And mm. let me tell you, everybody is nosy. Everybody yeah. in this world is nosy. And that's why it's important to share the things that you as a business might think, actually this is just not really relevant. You know, actually somebody somewhere, that's probably gonna be like the key thing that they think, oh, wow you know and that's why these influences work this is why it's so popular this is why social media is just out the park it's all because Mm. we're nosy we love looking into other people's lives so why not do that with your business why not open a window and let people peer in you know tell them as much as you can share it um and this is what the vision statement and mission statement is really for it doesn't have to be a stale boring you know about us section on the website it can be something that really really changes and really like you say resonates with the customer
0: Do you feel that people are sometimes, and by people, I mean people who run businesses, do you feel they're sometimes hesitant to publish a vision and mission statement because it indicates that they're not there yet? They don't want to set a destination because then it's like, well, we're not quite there yet. So if I wanted to be the biggest solicitors firm in Nottingham, for example, that indicates that I'm not the biggest solicitors firm in Nottingham. So I'm worried that a potential customer would look at me and go, yeah, but they're just wannabes. Do you think there's a part of that, that we're, we're scared of being on the journey? Yeah.
1: I think so. I think that everybody's scared of that. You know, it's something that, of course, you want to, you'd be scared of. But at the same time, you know, use that to your advantage. At the end of the day, you know, it's always good to, I think people like buying from the number two. You know, mm. um, generally, I think you, especially the British public, you know, we love the underdog you know there's no reason to sort of not share why the journey people buy into the journey they can follow you they can be the person who can then say you know in three years actually i was the first ever person who bought x mm. you know i was the first ever person who used them look at them now you know it's again it's that sort of social status that credibility again if you can get people on with the journey from right from the start then you know when you do eventually get to that, to the goal that's on the vision vision statement then you know people are going to be shouting about it
0: this is all getting very Gary V right (laughs) talk to me about price how come how come businesses use price to stand out it feels like a a positioning tool and not just you know everyone, everyone else is charging let's just work out the average and let's charge that
1: I think price is so important. It's, um, people get sucked in by feeling like they should be at the lower, lower price point of their industry or their niche because that's the reason why people, that can be their USP, you know, yeah, we're the cheapest. Uh, we offer the best but for at the cheapest price. Um, I don't think that necessarily that's what customers are looking for. They're looking for the quality. They're looking for, again, this is what the branding is so important. You need it to resonate with the customer. Um, if you do get to that point where people are really feeling like they're going to resonate with you and that they want to buy from you, then the price doesn't necessarily matter so much. you know, the price it actually goes hand in hand with the branding. I think that there's so many good examples of this. I know that the beauty industry is just primed for it. Mm. you know, they've got the same products replicated through various brands at different price points. and you know generally sort of that high even, high to mid price point, you know mid to high price point even, generally is the best seller, you know, and then you've got things that are selling at $1.99 that are the same price point, but actually, uh, you know, sorry, the same product at a much cheaper price point, but are just not selling.
0: Hmm. I mean, your background in fashion is, is intriguing here because fashion is almost entirely, or it seems to me almost entirely a relationship between brand and the relationship with the brand and pricing. So Christian Dior, sell a phone case for 330 pounds um so they've figured out something about price that the amazon phone case seller hasn't right in in your in your experience of working with fashion brands and in fashion brands how did they think about price is it let's charge as much as we possibly can or is there more subtlety to, to that to it than that
1: You know what? It really depends on product. I think, again, influencers. I think that it's, as well, it's aspiration. Hmm. You know, the Christian Dior phone case is a great example. You know, yes, it's £300. But, so £300 to certain people might be the only, you know, the the only thing they can get from Dior for £300, you know, is, is this phone case. And they'll be able to flash it around to everybody. And they could get an Amazon one for £3. But right now, all they want to do is show people that they've bought something from Christian Dior. That is the power of branding. You know, the, the, Christian Dior have got the brand. This phone case has probably cost them one P, two P to make the same as the Amazon one. But the point is, you know, people want to buy into the brand. It's the aspiration behind it. And I think they, the brands themselves are really aware of that. You know, I think that I, I worked for a large fashion brand um, in London and they had a one-off piece, which was just a, a fur scarf, a faux fur, I should add, um, and they used it on London Fashion Week, and they had some really key names, you know, there on the front row, and this piece wasn't actually for sale. It was just going to be sort of as a statement showcase kind of piece, but they had a lady who was from the other side of the country call and say, you know, can I have this 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 scarf? And genuinely it didn't have a price and I remember there was this kerfuffle and everyone was trying to sort of pinpoint the price and and, and they did just sort of end up sort of saying let's just pluck, pluck a price out of thin air because all she wants is to buy a piece of this brand she wants to be able to say to her friends I have got the only scarf that this company made and it was showcased at London Fashion Week in X." you know and therefore you know, she's, it's, it is all sort of the credibility. It goes back down to this massive brand journey and people just want a slice of it. Hmm.
0: For sure. This whole category is, is the luxury mediocrity category, isn't it? It's like sticking the whatever, the logo on a just a plain, unfitted white T-shirt or slap it on a whatever a phone case and there you go. And it's just people are buying inside. Like you say, it's the only £300 yeah. item that they could get from Dior. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've got a friend who she's um, a manager at Selfridges, and they have the exact same brands. Some of the brands in there you, they sell Primark. Let's 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 put this as an example. Selfridges sell Primark in within there as a concession. They have people queuing up to get into this Primark concession because they buy something from Primark, they get it in a Selfridges ham- in a Selfridges carrier bag. That's why they're buying it because they get it in a Selfridges carrier bag, yeah.
0: and they can
1: walk around and say. I bought something from Selfridges that's again it's all the power of branding why not go to Primark three doors down and buy it with no queue you know you can just pop in grab it and go but no they're queuing to get into Selfridges to buy it from there because they get a Selfridges bag
0: so Selfridges Dior all these companies have understood this branding so well that they have this massive pull um that well, they, they they don't really. I mean, Dior obviously spends a lot of money on advertising, but there is a there is a pull from the market, the pull from the the lady trying to buy the the, the faux fur scarf. How can an accountancy firm get that? I know that's a massive question. I don't even know how you're <laughs> going to start answering it. But how can an accountancy firm tap into that kind of exclusivity and that desirability to get people? Worked into a lather about working with them.
1: <laughs> I guess again, it goes back to this: the the audience. You know, if their audience of this accountancy firm is a luxury audience, you know, there is then their voice has to speak to this luxury audience. You know, they have to be really tracking down where this customer is. Partnering, you know, partnerships are great. You know, great ways of finding the customers. Fashion brands, again, they partner with one another. You know, they'll do so-and-so for so-and-so. You know, they sort of do this partnership with like a collaboration. I'm not saying that an accountancy firm will collaborate with another accountancy firm, but look around and see where their customer is. It goes right back back down to this customer audience. Who are they? You, You have to tap into that audience in order to create this hysteria, whether it's an accountancy firm, a fashion brand. The the whole point of this is to really drill down into the audience in order to create and speak to somebody. If you're going to speak to somebody in that way and really resonate with them, then there's no reason why they then would would choose a competitor over you.
0: So, you said a couple of really interesting things there. The partnerships thing is key, isn't it? Because fashion brands on the way up will want to be associated with other fashion brands or particular designers, or they'll want to be seen in particular shows. So, there's like a proximity piece which implies credibility I guess so if you're an accountancy firm and there's some super successful business in your town could you get a relationship with them so that other businesses who look up to that company will be like well they do the accounts for whoever so they're a bit of an yeah. influencer so I kind of want to buy into that definitely it goes right back around to
1: obviously where I'm working at the moment in in the web dev team you know the credibility logos are just so mm-hmm. key to get them you know if you've got some really good logos and you are working with some really good partners get them on the site you know preferably above the fold you know it's going to be such a great way we love seeing that other people trust trust you or work with you especially like you say if that's somebody who is a really big company or people one the way your customers are going to know them and think wow they're working with them I need to be involved. You know, it's again, it's this sort of fear of missing out as well. You mm. know, if, they, if they're working with them or they're dealing with them, why am I not involved? Um, so mm. yeah, all back to credibility.
0: And then the other part. So you've built the credibility as the fas- uh, as the accountancy firm, but then the other part is what you were saying earlier about letting people in through the story. I mean, I'm hazarding a guess. Have you bought something because you've seen it on Lydia Millen's channel?
1: i haven't i no, oh, haven't but i have done that previously with another person that i follow right. only because i'm renovating my house at the moment and i'm just obsessed with interiors influences
0: okay well to balance so you out i'm going to be completely honest i actually bought some stock music from one of the channels that from one of the companies that she uses so lydia millen has technically influenced oh, so you
1: tim she's actually taken you out of the two of us who would you guess <laughs>
0: especially as i'm on day one of my followership but my point is allowing people in to the story i i a a super weird thing started happening about six months ago for for me personally and that was when i was talking to clients on the phone they would say things like wow it's so weird to talk to you because i've been listening to the podcast or watching the videos and i was like that's super weird because i'm i'm just me but the point is they had kind of bought into all this stuff behind the scenes. So that actually, talking to me in that moment did feel feel different. And I guess we're saying the same thing by allowing people into the story and the behind the scenes of your accountancy firm. If you're talking about what it's taking to grow a business, that's something that could actually be really interesting to your target audience. And by the time they actually need an accountancy firm, they'll think, well, I've been following these guys like that's going to be that special that they they have a much closer relationship.
1: It's all about sort of feeling like they can just get a slice, a slice Mm. of your business, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's accountancy, whether it's eventing, whether it's photography, whatever it may be, you know. If you're, it's making it feel like it's an exciting step for the customer to sort of buy into it, even if it's just a little bit, or even just to follow you and feel like actually, when the time comes, you know, it's a journey at the end of the day. And again, by doing these original exercises of really targeting down who the audience is, you're going to know. Their pattern, their buying patterns. You know, are they a person who is going to follow you for a long time and then maybe purchase something six months down the line? Or are they a Tim and are they going to follow you on day one and purchase something that you've promoted?
0: She didn't even promo me that hard. And there wasn't even an affiliate link, so she'll never know. But anyway, um, uh, all right, let's talk about branding. And by branding, I mean, what everyone normally thinks of as branding, which is logo and colour scheme. So I can't help talking to you about fashion because your background is there. If we're seeing this kind of trend towards brands, some of the high end luxury brands losing their more traditional looking logos and going to these like pretty similar typefaces, yeah. which are super usable, apparently on phones and social media and all this stuff, which instantly kind of threw me for a loop, because I'm thinking, well, the reason that people like Balmain, for example, is because they they know that look, and, and they've just mm-hmm. thrown away all of this history. But obviously, they know something about about logo and the importance of that, that physical kind of brand that, um, that and actually, they're happy to, to detach themselves from that. A lot of businesses feel, you know, we see it in, in the dev team, when we're sending someone a logo, they treat this as such an emotional thing it's almost like designing the look of their baby so in your opinion how important actually is the logo we kind of it looks like we're getting two conflicting perspectives here from fashion and the rest of the world
1: yeah, I think that, you know, it's key. Obviously, the logo is important, like you say, especially for a new business. I think that people do really feel like this is just the be all and end all, you know. But don't forget that, again, this this logo can go on a journey. The logo is not set in stone. The fashion brands are showing that right now, you know, definitely. But there's so many brands out there who drop things as, as time's gone on. They might have dropped a color within their logo. They might have dropped an icon within their logo, you know. Just as things move with with your business, there's no reason why the logo can't adapt itself to to fit, which I think is why it's really important that brands realise that from the start. You know, this logo, even though it's gonna obviously be a real key part for you for the next maybe year, few years, no matter how long you want to keep it, it is a progression. It's not gonna stay there forever. So I think sort of taking that sort of massive Responsibility off its shoulders, mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, to start off with, is is really important, and then also sort of really drilling down into what you want the logo to achieve. Again, looking back through all that research that hopefully you've done about your audience and where they're at and who they like and who they're currently buying from. What are the sort of key features in in the brands in as far as logo, colours, that kind of thing? Obviously, if you're an eco brand, you're not going to be using red anytime soon. It's just a lot of it is down to sort of basic common sense, you know, really sort of drilling down into the color schemes of, of your brand and business, but at the same time, not being too stale about it, you know, try and just keep the excitement. I think that that's something that can get lost in this, in this process. It's a creative process at the end of the day, you know, it's meant to be fun, by sort of really feeling like it's got so much pressure on it um, and such a weight on its shoulders. I think that you kind of lose that in the process. This is a really exciting time for your business. So sit back and and enjoy it.
0: That's such good advice. Just chill out.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: (laughs) And like all of us, it's going to look different over time.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's going to look different. It's going to mature with age.
0: For sure, for sure. Cool. All right, Holly, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really interesting. I've learned a lot and realized a whole bunch of stuff that I, uh, yeah, that I never really thought about before.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Tim.
0: And thank you, everyone, for tuning in.